Doxed, the podcast. Welcome to the captivating world of Amberlynn Reed, a YouTube celebrity and plus-size model who has amassed a dedicated following through her mukbang videos and daily vlogs. Since she uploaded her first video in 2013, to mark the start of a weight loss journey, Amberlynn has gained over 200 pounds. As we delve into Amberlynn's journey, we embark on a thought-provoking exploration of the complexities that arise when one's body and health become entwined with their career aspirations and the pursuit of fame. Amberlynn's digital persona thrives on an unfiltered authenticity, inviting viewers to witness the intricacies of her personal life, triumphs, and tribulations. With her mukbang videos, she immerses her audience in a world of indulgence, showcasing her charisma and relatability. Yet, as we delve deeper, a complex dichotomy comes to light. While some fans appreciate Amberlynn's unabashed approach and charismatic presence, others express a deep-seated frustration. It becomes increasingly apparent that her lifestyle choices may come at the cost of her well-being. The question lingers, does Amberlynn truly grasp the potential ramifications of sacrificing her health for the sake of her online income? Amberlynn's situation becomes even more perplexing when considering the life she leads. The substantial income derived from her channel supports her financially, affording her a comfortable existence. In this light, one might ponder who we are to pass judgment on the choices she makes. After all, she appears to be living a good life, even if it means taking risks with her health. Amberlynn's narrative poses profound questions about the intersections of body positivity, health, and fame. While she initially captured the hearts of many as a symbol of self-acceptance and body inclusivity, her journey also exposes the complexities of navigating one's personal well-being in a world where all of our bodies are exploited for labor, and where an online presence can dominate every facet of one's life. The line between sharing experiences and exploiting vulnerability blurs, leaving viewers to grapple with the ethical implications of consuming content that revolves around personal struggles and insecurities. Join us as we give space to Amberlynn Reed's story, exploring the delicate balance between self-expression, public scrutiny, and the ever-evolving dynamics of online influence. There was some drama about Amberlynn, which I, the last time we tried, we tried to talk about this i was extremely new to what do you call do you call it the amberverse is that a thing the amberverse <laughs> River. yep very new to it but uh now i am like a medium level audience member i have been there's the am babies there's am oh. babies and then there's haters what's an am because i understand a hater is like somebody that is uh that she doesn't like the criticism of any but, criticism at all yeah <laughs> But who's an am am baby? Am babies are like pro amber. Oh, but okay. I feel like everyone's pro amber. She just doesn't like anybody for the most part. So <laughs> I'm I'm a long term not am baby. <laughs> I not guess I'm like in the I'm in the middle. I'm she would consider me a hater because I have harsh criticisms, but I would consider myself 
maybe an Anne baby because I like deep down Loki care about her and her health. And she's kind of funny. I kind of like watching her. So that was an interesting thing I found I thought about how you how you were describing this audience and and how the audience relationship works for this creator because I was not understanding that. I was like, well people must just because she is she has been on like the Lol Cow forums. Not she herself to as far as I know, but like people talk about her as a Lil Cow. So I think to myself, the audience has to just be hate watching, but it's a lot more complicated than that. And I guess we should probably like give some kind of a background because I had no idea who this person was. So for anybody who's never heard of her before, she got famous on YouTube from like from documenting her life and her weight journey. But her channel is kind of controversial for a couple of different reasons. And one of them is because she started the channel with the intention of documenting her weight loss journey, but has gained a lot of weight, like over two, I think it's over 200 pounds since then. It's it's bizarre to me that the numbers seem to matter. So it's bizarre and honestly, kind of triggering. Like it's interesting content for me to watch as somebody who has a history of disordered eating too, because... I, I can tell some of the audience uses her for like a, a thin spo, like people don't want to end up like her. But the there's like a lot of central placement of really disordered ways of thinking about food in that content. Um, and she did this type of video called mukbangs, which I had never heard of before this topic came up. But the creator basically films himself eating like a large amount of food, usually while engaging with the audience or like describing the food or how to make it but she kind of constantly fails to meet these weight loss goals that she sets for herself so it seems like a lot of her audience is really concerned and frustrated for her but uh, almost as like a friend who's been disappointed and let down rather than as people who genuinely hate her so that's interesting Amberlynn will often refer to herself as the most hated person on YouTube, the most hated creator on YouTube. And that's so Far not true. true. Far from true. Like people are harsh with her and like want to call her out on every little thing. But I feel like I feel like it comes from a place of just like wanting her to win. We just want her to win. But as two people, you and I that have dealt with like horrible online bullying for an extended amount of time, even if it's not bullying or it might be bullying to her. Just having droves of people criticize every part of your content, every part of your life that you put out there, that's overwhelming and probably doesn't feel great to her. I'm sure, but it's an interesting dynamic where a lot of her fans will actually watch her content specifically through secondary commentary channels, too, with this logic that like she shouldn't be getting views and money from the views because the the fact that her channel is monetized and it actually kind of affords her a nice life in some ways although it seems like she's not doing well in more recent turns of events which we'll get to I'm sure but it but I've seen her and and it's been a decade of a channel so for a long time her fans have gotten to know her but it it seems like people are concerned that it enables her and encourages her to continue with a lot of self-sabotaging behaviors. And then you have to ask this kind of ethical question of like, we really do. And I think I put this in the intro. We all sell our bodies into capitalism. So what is what is there to judge about somebody who's going to do that? 
even if it's kind of in terms of weight. But then on the other hand, she's she's out here making all this content that really is very, um, I don't know, it's just not, it's not healthy. And it's, and she's obviously, instead of dealing with a lot of things, she's obviously just kind of, I don't know, putting them on that channel. Maybe it is enabling. You, you have to survive under capitalism some way, somehow. I don't know if Amberlynn considers herself a disabled person or considers herself to be in a disabled body, but I would give anything to be able to sustain myself working from home, whether that be this podcast or a different project or YouTube or getting into data science, which is what I went to school for. If I could work remotely and sustain myself, I absolutely would. I think a lot of people would choose to do that. Um, she's doing the best she can with what she has. And the reason why she is such a success on YouTube is because people do take her content. They have to consume her content to make their own content. She's the only YouTuber I know of besides her. I think there's one foodie beauty. That's hard to say. People kind of do the same thing with her content that they do with Amberlynn. But Amberlynn is just, if you can believe it, far more likable than this other lady. But people have to consume her content to build their own channels. And they build their channels up to her size and larger. And they're monetized as, as well as she is. I'm not going to judge her for making content and vlogging and doing video diaries about her life. What bothers me about her is that it seems like, just say you're a lifestyle vlogger. Like, just, just say that. Don't, you know, around Vlogmas, where YouTubers make the most money possible then label yourself a weight loss channel knowing good and goddamn well you're going to lose and gain the same five pounds over and over again like no one's really watching her for the weight loss journey anymore it's just like okay what what's Amberlynn's you know harebrained weight loss plan this time want to take bets on how long it's going to last 72 hours okay people are just kind of watching for that now and it's just it's more entertaining to watch it through the commentary channels that are going to make a funny edit of it. But it's hard to know if she's being if she's conscious about it. Although it seems to me after kind of, again, binging some of her content and some of the commentary content in the last like today in the last few days, it seems like she's almost addicted to that feeling of starting day one of a challenge and setting up all kinds of rules and imagining the future goal and really to the point of absurdity never follows through like she's done things like said she was going to upload monday wednesday friday of a week or every week and then and like didn't even make it to the end of the week before she couldn't hold that goal and the other thing is i i hear a lot of twisted logic or what seems like it must be twisted logic and papering over the situation which you have kind of a right to do like there's nobody there's no nobody is saying she needs to she doesn't need to she doesn't she clearly doesn't share 100% of what's actually going on in her life like she clearly kind of papers over certain things and she doesn't nobody made her sign a contract at any point that she had to share 100% of her life on YouTube but I think the audience often will read it as inauthentic or like she's lying about things and it seems like there is a lot of weird logic or or lies or papering over. But how conscious is that when it comes to the way that she describes her interactions with her therapists, with the weight loss? Because she was because she had this uh, endeavor to 
do a weight loss surgery, which I think, which was in like November, 2022, it started coming up and she was really gearing up for this goal of losing the weight and proving to the therapist that she was going to be able to stick to the right goals and and actually do it in a healthy way. And she couldn't do, she clearly couldn't do it, but she just papered over it. Like it was this really positive thing and she got approved and it worked out. And just at the last minute, she decided she wasn't going to do it for reasons that don't really make sense to where you're like, no, like, I don't know. Or like, she'll say something like, oh, I was clearly going, I was clearly under my calories. So now I just don't see the need to to count calories at all because it just doesn't seem right for me at this time because I just, I was under calories today. And you're, and you're like that, that, I don't know, just like in, in isolation, I guess I can hear that as like some kind of, some kind of helpful way of thinking about food, but then you take it all together and it's, it's like some very twisted, like, I feel like, I feel like it's like gaslighting yourself or something. Like it feels like very twisted logic about not taking accountability for your disordered way of eating or relationship to food. Having seen a therapist. Like, wouldn't the therapist kind of talk her through coping with her relationship with food in a better way? Like, what are, what are you talking about in therapy if it's not exactly that? So, like, help. Well, I don't know. She had this letter that she read. I watched this, like, hour-long overview of the entire weight loss surgery journey, basically, and just showed clips mm-hmm. from how, you know, how she was talking about it over that time. And she had read this letter from her therapist or some sort of weight loss advisor person who was complimenting her and was like, she, cause she had, she had said she wasn't going to eat at fast food anymore. And then she had to admit to them that she was going back to eating fast food. And then she was talking about it. Like it was this really, like she had to be really brave and talk to them about it. And they wrote her this letter or this email where they were like, you have been so brave to share this with us and be open with us. It's so hard. And you're more prepared for weight loss surgery than some of our post-op patients, it said in the letter. And then she goes, and then there's four more paragraphs that are private and she kind of skips over it. And it's like, in retrospect, the way she continued to talk about the weight loss surgery after that, you can tell that there was a shift there. Like it must've said something like, you're not ready to do it. We're, you know, you're not approved, but the story was that she was and it was still going on. And then right at the end, whoop, even though everybody was totally ready for it, she just suddenly decided not to. So I don't know how conscious that can be. That's but it but as somebody that that also really has spent a lot of time trying to work my way out of disordered ways of thinking about food, that channel is a very it's a person. It's a picture. It's a portrait of a person who has a very disordered relationship with food. Yeah. And there's also like I don't know if I want to say it's motivation or incentive, but there's like some benefit to maybe not ever losing the weight and continuing on in this like cyclical fashion on YouTube, kind of um, dangling this weight loss content as a carrot to her audience and building everyone's hopes up. Usually around January 1st, first week of January is when it really amps up. Um, And she probably gets a big dopamine rush from like planning to start And then like those first two days where you drop a shit ton of water weight and it's like, oh, I'm getting results. And then, boop, DoorDash, Uber Eats, and it just, it ends again. There's probably some incentive there to not actually drop the weight because her content has been the exact same for nearly a decade. 
and has afforded her the exact lifestyle she wants and needs to <laughs> like live comfortably at home, live well, eat whatever she wants. Like she has not had a car. She does not know how to drive this entire time. She's been on YouTube. She's never had to drive. Everything comes to her. And we've talked about this. She always stays boot up, always has a girlfriend <laughs> and her girlfriends yeah. always are her caretakers. They always have this role of being the absolute epitome of the love of her life every single one of them and also her caretaker and gopher and her ride everywhere and she you know funds their lives for the most part so she has the exact setup that she's looking for there might be some fear of well what will my life be like when i do drop the weight how do i cope with a whole new body how do i cope with loose skin that i've never seen before how do i do this without or with a girlfriend like and now that she's broken up with her most recent girlfriend i have a theory i'm speculating i don't know this could be i don't want to start a rumor but i think this whole charade of like i've decided to postpone weight loss surgery whether that's true or not it's very interesting that it's like right in line with this timeline of her recent breakup Going through weight loss surgery when you have no family around, no reliable family around to help to take care of you, no close friends because your only friend is usually your girlfriend. And when you don't have your girlfriend, you have no one to turn to when that person's not there anymore. Who's going to take care of her in post-op recovery? Who's going to bring her the right food and make sure she does, you know, the liquid diet for whatever period of time and then the soft food diet for whatever period of time and make sure she gets to her appointments and stuff like it's a whole the bariatric thing is like a whole thing. I as much as I binge watch Amberlynn Reed, I also binge watch 600 pound life. So I've like seen this whole bariatric surgery thing and it's like a whole thing. <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense and it must be and i know even that they said uh so we should back up because the girlfriends and the eras based on the girlfriends is a whole significant part of like amber lore so yes. all these <laughs> different girlfriends that had different time periods first there was the crystal era then there was destiny cook in uh starting in 2015 then 2017 uh, her relationship to Destiny ends and she starts dating Becky Williams. Becky was a viewer. We stand Becky. We stand Becky. Okay. I don't know a lot about that. I know a lot about Destiny after this last week, <laughs> but less about Becky. Uh, and then, and then Feline, I guess, who is also Jade. But that was unclear or Amber was trying to hide the information of who Feline was. And Feline is wifey. Feline, I think, is like a Feline, I think, is a pet name like Feline and Bambi. Sorry, I'm not sure if her real name, but I think the pet names are wifey and Feline. And they they would do the whole Feline and Bambi thing, which is kind of cutesy. I kind of like that. Okay, but can you explain that? Because I just. I don't really understand all the characters of the different girlfriends except the more recent most right before the breakup Amber and Amberlyn and Destiny got on this whole escalating arguments because they were getting on lives and Destiny had been kind of info dumping a little bit 
and then they got in an arg- a phone argument on a live and then this whole breakup happened like mm-hmm. yesterday around july 4th or whatever so uh yeah. no idea where she is with all that so, point, but- so i kind of hopped into the scene during the during the active becky era and then kind of doing some retro watching of destiny and a little bit of crystal crystal did not like being on camera she didn't like having the camera in her face she didn't like she wasn't participating in the youtube content as much so we don't know a whole lot about crystal other than the fact that Amberlyn lived with crystal and her parents they took really good care of her they supported her financially crystal was like seemed very kind and like maybe kind of introverted and shy and seemed to be like more like friends and roommates with Amberlyn. it didn't seem like a very passionate like sexy time kind of relationship which is fine destiny that relationship was super hot and heavy they're making out on camera all the time talking about oh we just had sex da, da, da. it was like a very different Amberlyn, and you could see Amberlyn was very much just enamored with destiny you you would might even you might even say that maybe Amberlyn loved destiny and was a little more attached to her than destiny was to Amberlyn, which you know that happened um so their relationship was two years and that breakup really hurt Amberlyn because I think she really believed that they were going to get married one day. She was like planning her whole life with Destiny and Destiny kind of has like a wandering eye, did some emotional cheating. And about a week after they broke up, Destiny started dating one of their mutual friends and stayed with her for several years. Like, the yeah, several years, I think, like three or four. I'm not sure. Ooh. Amberlyn, I think, was single for a matter of like a month or two and then met Becky. I say I really like Becky because I've seen their whole relationship on YouTube. Becky was so supportive, so kind and down to earth and funny, but also going through so much trauma on her own with her family, with her her mother's health. Her mother passed away from cancer while she was with Amberlyn. And there's so many times where Amberlyn would have the camera in Becky's face and you can Becky was just dissociated, just not there, looked so sad, so just not with it. And Amberlyn just seems so oblivious to what Becky was going through. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the comments in those videos, like people are like, is Becky okay? Is Becky okay? Like, can you put the camera down and talk to her or something? Because she's not, she's not well. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine going through I've I've dealt with my mom going through um, chemo. She had breast cancer when I was in high school and I couldn't imagine dealing with potentially losing my mom and then also having to caretake for a partner that's just like not doing the most that they could to take care of themselves, you know, but then you're also financially dependent on them for your well-being. That would be a weird situation to be in. So they moved in, they lived together like right away after they started dating and shared this house with two other YouTubers. And then Becky and Amberlyn got their own like luxury apartment place together and the relationship fizzled out after that. And I maybe that happened because they didn't have the buffer of the other roommates to kind of like, I don't know, throw in some extra energy in there, like hang out with other people instead of just hang out with your partner the entire time but it didn't their relationship didn't last once they had their own space together 
And they would do live streams together a lot, but you can tell something was off and then they announced that they broke up and they continued to live stream together because they think maybe they had some kind of plan to get Becky some money from the live streams. People really enjoyed Becky like way more than Amber Lynn. You know, people can donate on live streams, like send super chats. And I think they were doing that so often after the breakup to maybe help Becky out so that she could move out and be on her own because she was fully financially dependent on Amber Lynn. Um, But I want to say like what, three, two, three weeks after that breakup, while Becky was still living in the house, Amber Lynn met a whole new person, fell in love within literally 14 to 21 days, moved that new person into the apartment while Becky was still living there. There was some overlap with that. And this new person was the new love of her life. But you never see Feline on camera. You don't know anything about Feline's personality, background, life, nothing. So I I don't know. It's just a lot of speculation online. But one thing's for sure, Amberlynn has never been single or lived alone at the size she is now. And it cannot be easy to get around, to walk around, to grocery shop, to do anything at that size. She's always had a person, like a support person to help her function. So I I don't know. She's made like very minuscule progress with her weight loss with this whole like weight loss surgery journey she's been on, like, like a pound every couple of weeks. And at that size, it takes quite a bit to maintain maintenance calories for someone over 500 pounds. That's a hell of a lot of food, right? It doesn't take a whole lot of effort to lose massive amounts of weight at that size. If I were to lose a pound to two pounds a week at the size I am now, like that would be pretty borderline too much. Maybe half a pound a week, pound a week. Two pounds a week is like aggressive weight loss for me. She could lose 10 pounds a week and not even blink. She just needs to like not eat 10,000 calories a day. She could eat 5,000 calories. And I understand there could be like a thyroid issue. There could be hormonal issues. There could be all kinds of things. But I'm a firm believer in calories in, calories out. And I don't know what hormonal issue could be going on where you're doing all the right things you're eating all the right things you're eating a normal amount of calories and you're still 500 pounds I don't know what that could be so I don't think that's the case she's just like I just think she's just not doing what she could be doing to help herself be more mobile be more independent and not have to depend on these random YouTube commenter girlfriends that just pop into her life out of nowhere it's interesting. It's interesting because she was talking about lipedema and lymphedema and almost throwing those out as kind of excuses for why she inevitably can't lose a certain amount of weight. But it shouldn't mean that you can't lose like a pound of weight. But I will also say even having some kind of conversation about whether she can lose weight in her body and what is going on with her, I feel like it feels like I don't know triggering is not the right word but just it feels like disordered to to think about it or to like care but she puts herself out there and she makes that her content 
And it's not just because she's up in public as an obese person. It's because she drives that narrative by promising that she's going to go in a certain direction with her health goals and talking that up so much and kind of getting the dopamine and leaning into the excitement of starting a journey. And and you're right, she's been doing it for 10 years and that's what her content is. And I, and I think you're, you're also, I think it's very interesting, this turn of events where her most recent girlfriend broke up with her because you're right. She's in the, the largest body that she's ever been in as, and, and it is, it is limiting. And she's talking about how she wants to move and thinking that, thinking that she can barely, she doesn't have a car and she's not mobile in that way. And she's talking about how she wants to sell off a lot of her stuff before she moves too. And that feels like another goal that's going to be set out for and not reached, you know? So I'm mm-hmm. kind of, I was kind of feeling, I watched this Zachary Michael reaction to that video. And I love, I love Zachary Michael. <laughs> no, I kind of do love him too. So he's one of these commentators whose entire platform is just covering Amber Lynn. And so you'd think that's like a troll person. I guess you would call him a hater, right? Mm-hmm, but, she does. Yeah, but but it's it was kind of like sweet, honestly. The video. It's and and Zachary Michael even was like, you know, I started off kind of jokey, but by the end here, this is how I would talk to a friend who's going through a breakup, and it really was. It was just like you got to pick yourself back up. You got to not let this become something that totally pushes you off your plans for your weight loss because that doesn't you know if every minor thing is going to be something that sets you back then it really isn't safe to go through some kind of surgery because if you binge eat Mm -hmm. it's not good and not healthy and anyway I just thought the video was kind of like weirdly sweet (laughs) and I know you really like that channel but it feels like it's even though it is like a parasocial relationship it's and I think some of these other people, like the hour-long documentary I was looking at, let me think if I can find, it was called Apathetic Facts with two X's at the end. And that's another channel. And even that channel, they seem aware that they're kind of enabling Amberlynn for the, with the attention and they're doing it anyway. So that, mm-hmm. you know, but it's also like, and so it's this weird, weird dynamic, very unique, I think. And also parasocial, and yet it feels like something like there's some real care there in the way that Zachary Michael is talking to her and about her about the breakup. And I was feeling concerned watching this breakup video because you have to think she's not really safe when she doesn't have a caregiver, you know? Yeah. She's talking about how she falls, it could be really dangerous. And she's hasn't followed through on goals before. So it'll be really interesting to see if she's able to kind of get herself out of the situation, because I also think she really was in love with this person. Yeah. Oh, did you see the potato video? No. What? So a couple weeks ago, maybe maybe a little over a month ago, she made a YouTube video talking about how she was eating dinner with Feline and choked on a piece of potato and she's never choked before and she almost died and Feline had to like pound on her back 
to dislodge the piece of potato because yeah. Amberlynn said she doesn't chew. She just swallows stuff whole and it got stuck in her throat and she couldn't breathe. It was, she's too big around to do the Heimlich. Mm. So Feline freaked out because like, even if you've never done the Heimlich, like you kind of know what it is. So if you are in the presence of someone choking, like your first instinct is like, okay, I've seen this before. Here's what I what I should do maybe. But to like have that lag time of like, oh shit, I can't get my arms around her and she's choking. She's turning blue. And she just like jumped on top of her and started pounding on her back until she threw up and then she's able to breathe. But like Amberlynn almost died a couple weeks ago and needed Celine literally to save her life. Because when you're choking, you can't breathe. You can't talk. You can't scream. You can't, you can't call. You can't pick up 911 and call. You can't pick up the phone and call 911 for any kind of help. It's dire. And if Feline was not there, Amberlynn would be dead. Yeah. And it just seems in general like her health problems are becoming more chronic and more of a constant issue. And she had a cancer diagnosis. And I, I think it does seem like over the 10 years of her channel, she for a long time had, and people even say, and it is kind of impressive, like she's able to get, <laughs> she's able to get girlfriends better than I can. So, you know, good for her. Like in some ways her life is is really pr pretty good. And she's spoken before about how she couldn't hold down a normal job uh, and couldn't, you know, and so this YouTube income has been really great for her in a lot of ways and afforded her a good life. And, but, but it seems like things might be shifting because eventually health catches up to you. And yeah. she doesn't seem like she, she seems like she is deluding herself willfully about yeah. things because she enjoys feeling luxury and having excess and, and you know and I think has been able to for a long time but it is kind of a shocker to have I mean I also went through something kind of to a lesser degree but similar in that I've dated people constantly for my adult life until this last year and that has meant I've had a had access to a car and haven't ever mm -hmm. expected it haven't ever sought out people I have never sought out people to date because they had a car something like that but right. I this year I is the first year I have not had any car access and it means things like I can't get like new pieces of furniture for my house that I can't just build or I can't uh, I I do Instacart. I I bet Amberlynn probably will need to do something like grocery delivery and those kind of things can be workarounds. She would probably need like a service like Wag or Rover to walk her dog Twinkie Star because her girlfriends walk oh, her yes, dog. Yes, pets, yeah. The cats are probably easy because it's just changing litter boxes. I'm sure she can do just fine. But walking Twinkie, she didn't do that. Becky did that. Feline did that. Are you tired of feeling unsafe online? Do you want to learn how to protect yourself from cyberbullying, doxing, and other forms of online harassment? Then look no further than Doxed the Podcast. Visit the website doxthepodcast.com to sign up for the Doxed free ebook full of helpful tips and resources for online safety. Plus, when you sign up, you'll receive the weekly newsletter with the latest updates on upcoming content. There are many ways to connect with Doxed, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Have a story to share or feedback to give? 
use the contact form on the site to reach out or leave a voice message to be featured on the show. And for exclusive content, subscribe to the Doxed Supercast to gain access to the private podcast feed with member-only exclusives. Take control of your online safety and join the Doxed community today. Yeah, and there was also just this compilation of somebody put together, here's, you know, 15 minutes of Amberlynn's girlfriends doing absolutely everything for her. And I don't know how true that is. She also talks about how she's, she cleans and things, but, you know, it becomes more glaring what was going on when it is just you. It really does. Mm-hmm. What was your partner? I think there's a lot of relationships where both partners feel like they're doing more than their fair share. And it, it's a stark reality when there's just one of you there, <laughs> you'll see yeah. you'll find out whether you were doing more or less. And I don't know, but I saw some genuine, and she said that the breakup was mutual, which is interesting. So I hope that's true. I don't know. Believe it. I hope that's true too, but I don't know if I believe it. It just, it, people can change and evolve over time, but unfortunately she documented 10 years of her life and has had like very repetitive patterns with her relationships. And she has never broken up with any of her girlfriends. They have all ended things with her and she is devastated every single time because her intention is to marry every single one of them. The de- The breakup with Destiny was the worst breakup ever in her whole life and she was going to marry Destiny and she's always going to love Destiny. What am I going to do? Meets Becky like a month later. Becky's the love of her life. I'm going to marry her. Oh my God, she's so wonderful. They break up a week later. Flame. Like, I, don't, I don't know. And I think were all of them fans that reached out and ultimately formed a relationship with her or destiny was like part of a friend group becky was definitely a commenter online and so was feline feline slid into those dms the second she said she was single so that could happen again i'm hoping like in a perfect world my hope for amberlynn is that she'll take this single time to just really buckle down get her mental health in order get her physical health in order and move like do get mobile first get your driver's license you make five figures a month buy a car drop enough weight where you can drive comfortably you know and get to a gym start or you know join like a walking group or something get moving so you can explore the world experience the world get some friends that are not just parasocial relationship youtube commenter friends get in real life friends and then move don't move like this where you can't even walk more than a few steps where if you fall you're shit out of luck where you can't even walk your dog not a great time to move yeah it seems like she needs a support system more than she has at least where she is does she have family? Do you know if she has family anywhere else she could move to closer to? I don't think she has family that she can rely on. I think she's probably the most successful person in her family. She comes from like a childhood of bouncing around foster care and like drug addict parents that have been in and out of in and out of prison. So she's the most stable person, I think, in her family on both sides, um, which is kind of sad. But that's the thing when you're someone that's like a serial monogamist and your whole world becomes your partner and you drop all your friends, you drop all your hobbies, you drop all your 
your identity to just like be booed up with someone and that someone leaves and you just have nothing. And they're not even like a spouse. They're a girlfriend, boyfriend. That's mm. I'm not a big fan of playing house with people like that. I've played house with boyfriends before and we were like acting like we were married and we're absolutely not married. And then you become like old and just doing too much for a dating relationship, you know? Mm. So when you do break up, there's no legal recourse to make sure that you are supported for some kind of temporary amount of time until you get on your feet. If you have been financially dependent on them and she makes too much money to be like, to be doing that, to just dating people all willy nilly and moving them into her home and financially supporting them. And then they leave her and she actually needs home care. I would say that Amberlynn needs a home care nurse and like a personal trainer and a physical therapist that'll come to her house and help her move, help her stretch, help her work out. Um, maybe like a, someone that can meal prep for her to make sure she's eating right. And I don't know if she needs help showering or... I, I think she used to need that kind of help when she was with Becky. But I think a home care nurse just to make sure she's being checked in on, not by herself for too long. I think having a care team would be much better than putting all of that burden on the next girlfriend, you know? Yeah, well, a care team or any kind of community. And I think it's a good example of it's, and especially for somebody who is disabled or, but really anybody, everybody needs community. It's really dangerous to not foster community around yourself if you possibly can. <laughs> yeah. Because it can be, it can be, it's a lot of eggs to put in one basket when you're just mm -hmm. thinking that your partner is your community. So, I mean, I hope that she can find something. I hope that she can grow, but there's been a long track record of a pattern that you can predict. So I think I feel a little bit worried about her, honestly, after this last couple of days. I think what could be really beneficial for her, which I don't, I don't think she would ever do this, but maybe she should check herself in to an inpatient weight loss facility for a couple of months where everything is structured all her meals are cooked for her therapists are on site fitness center on site personal trainers on site i mean what she does for work is just youtube like she can she can youtube from in there still make all her money every month and get the help she actually needs like that would be cool if she were to do that that'd be really scary for her i'm sure because it would take some of her independence away, or at least she would probably feel like that. But that's the only thing I think that'll work. She needs like a team of people in real life, face to face, supporting her in dropping weight so she can be mobile, so she can have freedom and not be housebound and dependent on whoever the next girlfriend's going to be. I mean, at least that could be a start until she's able to, you know, cultivate in real life community. Which is hard to do. Making friends is hard. Like out in the wild, making friends is hard to do. Right. And we've talked before about how neurodivergence of any kind. I think I think I agree with you. This was your take, and I agree with you that it's 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 almost like predisposes you or makes you more likely to. It's like easier to have a parasocial relationship. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that makes sense for creators just as much as audience too. Yeah. I don't even know what her, what any of her diagnoses are, but she has disordered ways of thinking. And I think I can say that because I recognize them, some of them in themselves. So I think um, she said she's had, she has BPD and OCD. Okay. So I okay. see ADHD, the stopping and starting of plans, mm. like the, the false starts every couple weeks that reads ADHD to me. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's never been so much my special interest. I think it's more yours. So you probably know, have a better sense of it, but I think it, it makes sense why her parasocial relationships would be just easier for her to maintain than real life relationships for that reason. Mm-hmm. But it's important to try to put in that kind of work because I think it's right. Like you can have in-person relationships really just, there is a different level. You can have really close relationships that are one-to-one relationships with people that you know just online. And that can be really fulfilling But Mm -hmm. there's something that's, I don't know if I want to say it's important because not everybody can do it or not everybody has the privilege or the luxury of having a bunch of in-person community for whatever reasons or limitations. But there's something different about Mm -hmm. having people in person that check on you at the end of every day. And something that I think is, I don't know what it is. It's it's like a lost Mm -hmm. kind of a power. And it's something that everybody needs to be more conscious of and and work toward as much as we can because it's like you have to counteract the way that a lot of the world is nowadays it's very difficult to find people for a community where the heck do you go there's two things that i noticed with amperland i don't think anyone really talks about but 10 years as a huge youtuber with pretty decent success yeah not one interview not one collab not one podcast interview Hmm. Not not once. And she says, people ask her sometimes in live streams, like, why don't you do a podcast? Why don't you collab with anyone? And she'll have like false starts with other YouTubers that reach out to her and want to collab. And she'll say no, because she's she says she's scared to like be in front of other people. And also, this is mm, I think this is relevant. I have talked briefly on other episodes about like decentering men and like compat and processing my sexual identity and all of that and like trying to learn more and more about queerness and Amberlyn Reed identifies as lesbian and I always thought this was like a really heteronormative kind of thing to have really great um really fulfilling platonic friendships but like society will impose this need to find a man and then your relationship or marriage with that man takes priority over all your other friendships and everything just kind of falls to the wayside because this one relationship is like the central thing and I thought that was like a straight thing but I mean that's probably super naive of me to think it's just a straight thing but I noticed that in not just her queer relationship but other ones that I've that I've like looked back on where you get into a romantic relationship and that romantic relationships get that gets prioritized over all your other friendships no one else matters there's no time for anyone else because you can't take your eyes or your attention off your partner for one second because 
God knows what will happen <laughs> if you focused on anybody else for a minute. Yeah. And well, I noticed that she does that. Like her girlfriends become her world. Yeah. Well, it's it, that's an interesting thing just because the girlfriends are her caretakers. And then she also often provides them with like monetary financial help. So it's kind of this like mutually beneficial thing in ways beyond the romance aspect. But it does mm-hmm. seem like she has genuine romances. And yeah, I was going to say, we, you, we've we talked about U-Haul lesbians. <laughs> and it's definitely, I don't know, it's a different kind of thing. Uh, speaking really broadly, uh, women loving women relationships are just very different. Like the way, the way that women are attracted to women is very different than mm-hmm. the way, than heterosexual attraction. It just is like the, the focus the things that are centered and the things that go into that attraction are different. And I think it is, you know, it's, it's easy to create like a fantasy of somebody and romanticize the whole thing. And I also think that there's a lot of times when you're, when you are queer, you have this kind of like later start in some ways of understanding or like working through relationship trauma or maturing in your way of having relationships just because things are more repressed things might take longer for you to figure out about yourself and Mm -hmm. people end up later in life than they do in heterosexual kind of tracks still working through pretty deep traumas and taking longer to work Mm -hmm. those things out so I think yeah I think it's uh it's really exciting to be kind of on your you you seem like you're you're just starting on your journey of like understanding your queerness and that is really exciting but I think one thing that like gaying it up over here yeah yeah gaying it up (laughs) we're being very gay on a very gay podcast um but okay it's so gay but I think I remember kind of going through that myself a few years ago or whatever and being like oh it's a whole fresh exciting new world of possibility and maybe I can just cast off all the toxicity of, of dating heterosexually or whatever. And no, it's still, it still can be very toxic in its own way. That's the point I'm trying to make. Like you can, you might be hopefully happily surprised that you find that people have worked through more of their crap and, you know, and that it is different in a lot of ways, but it, but you've also said before that you have like a fear of dating women because there is like a deeper deeper emotional connection which means there can be deeper levels of heartbreak if you're that invested and vulnerable with somebody in different ways Uh, well I say that because uh, some of my friendship breakups with women have those that pain still haunts me like years later that heartbreak is deep but I also feel like with some of those friendships I was dating them and didn't even realize it like I was in love with my friends and didn't realize it like I wasn't making the moves on my girlfriends or anything like that, but like the emotional intimacy is so deep. No, and I now I understand why. But oh, it's like it's heartbreaking to lose a friend that you've made a really deep platonic connection with. But now I wonder, like in women loving women relationships or women that love women, are the lines maybe a little more blurred? with friendships with women like is it inappropriate to have really deeply emotional intimate relationships with women platonically 
when you also date women? Is that like, could that be maybe why Amber Lynn doesn't have a lot of girlfriends? Because is that tricky? I think here's the thing about my experience of queer relationships is that it is a lot of the rules get unwritten and there kind of are no rules. So that can be really good and that could be really bad. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it can be almost like breaking out of the matrix in terms of a lot of things, but it can also be like, I've, I've also talked to you before about it's, it's so hard to find women to date because you go on the apps and I, uh, I have like, I have it set to everyone and I can match with women and they won't, they, it's so hard to start like a conversation Mm -hmm. and get to the same places because men are thirsty and, (laughs) and also there's like no rules when I'm talking to a woman, because it's just like, who's going first here? Who's going to like plan the date? Who's going to like, is it weird if I'm like really sex? Like, here's the thing. I've been on hinge for like however many weeks since we made the hinge episode plus one or whatever. And there's all there for the hinge profile there's this list of stuff that you so there's like pictures and there's also like prompts question answers and then you can either x out of it like you reject them or you give a heart but your heart goes to either any of the pictures or it can go to like a question answer uh or some other kind of like poll or something and i always feel weird about about hearting the photographs of the women I feel like for the men I can either and I'm being like also non-binary people also you know uh but I very broadly speaking I mm-hmm. heart a picture of a man and that doesn't feel weird if I feel like it's a good picture or I can heart an answer if I feel like that's something I would talk to them about for the women or yeah for the for femme people <laughs> I don't I feel like it's, I feel like I'm being like too forward or something if I, or I'm like focusing too much on their appearance or something. And I should want to get to know their, like, I I don't even know. Like, it feels like I can't, it feels like awkward to, to heart one of their photos. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Um, And I don't even know why. And it, it feels like I'm being too forward or something, which I'm not sure why I put, that's like an arbitrary and I don't even know where that's coming from socially or anything, but it's just like, who knows what the rule is? Who knows if somebody will be offended? I think it's because so many men will always hurt your picture and you're like, okay, yeah, you're like thirsty. And I'm not like thirsty. <laughs> so I'm not trying, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm just like trying to get to know people or something. And so it's like, it gives off a very different vibe when you're hearting someone's picture. Cause you're like, I'm attracted to like your face, like your person, your body, you know? But I feel like on a dating app, like, yeah, you're attracted to someone's face. That's why you're there. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, the fact that Hinge gives like the gives the responses or whatever that you it's just like heart. sending the heart is like a soft way to say, like, hey, I see you, you know? Yeah, I I get that. I guess all I'm just trying to say is that it feels like the rules are not as clear when you're not in the heterosexual kind of thing yeah it just feels like I went on I went on a picnic yesterday 
the day before mm-hmm. with one of my old high school friends. Yeah, who, I saw a picture. It looks so nice. Yeah, I, put, I, I don't post on social media anymore. I post in the Discord. So, <laughs> But we used to go to high school together. So it's like it's pretty long friendship. And she recently came out as bi. And I'm not like, I don't feel like I've come out. I feel like I've just kind of known for a while that I, de- I de- identify as pansexual. And then we had a conversation about pansexual versus bisexual. And then deconstructing a little bit more and just learning a little bit more. I'm like, okay, let me get down to like brass tacks here. I like non cishead men. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that's where I'm at, and I'll build up from there. So I identify as queer, I guess. Yeah. And we're talking about like our, we're just catching up on like dating experiences and stuff and queerness and all of that. And she, has said similar things. It's like kind of hard to find women to date specifically if you're like femme for femme. Yes. I think that's part of my problem too, because it's not just women and it's not even, it's more like a femme for femme thing. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's the femme for femme struggle. And I've heard that before and it it makes more sense to me now because on TikTok, you'll see like a lot of posts of femme women who are interested in other femme women that are like why can't we find each other every femme wants a mask and why can't we just be femme for femme and then also there's like a whole mask for mask struggle yeah i think it's because the roles get like less clear because everything in society always is like here's these roles and so even if you're if you're not a man and a woman but you are you have like a femme mask dynamic you can still kind of lean into the comfort of those roles, mm-hmm. whatever degree, and you can like bend them and that's fun, but you, you still have some kind of framework to work off of, mm-hmm. but it's like the very nature of attraction is different when it's not based on that. And, uh, you know, and, and who takes the lead, like, and what is appropriate and when are we flirting like are we flirting and does that count and does that mean that it wants to be a sexual thing or am I just like attracted to all of my friends does that make me a bad person or a creepy (laughs) person to be attracted to all of my that is the struggle yeah I feel like I flirt with everybody (laughs) I also feel like autism plays into that because sometimes I don't understand that I'm flirting but I might be or I might come off as flirting when I'm not I'm just being myself I also think my weight has played into that because when I'm thinner I'm more likely to be taken as flirting um so there's a lot of just like who even knows how you're taken and what you and what and I don't think there's any rules so I guess that's my answer like it kind of is set I would I feel like that's I also talk about like I feel like in theory, I'm probably in, in draw in, in my basic drives. I feel like I'm poly, but I've never practically been in a poly relationship. I've never, but I don't feel like I have that jealousy, but what I do Mm -hmm. feel like is it is a very scary world and you want some kind of stability. So I want Mm -hmm. a partner that I can feel stable with and not like afraid of them leaving, but I don't feel like some issue with somebody having sex with somebody else that they're my partner as long as we're not like lying about it also Mm -hmm. what even counts as sex what if you're just cuddling with your friends 
is cuddling yeah. weird? Is it weird to like kiss my friend on pride because it's pride? Like, what are you going to do? Or like, <laughs> it's, you know, like, I mean, these questions and more, they haunt me. And, you know, I think it's a kind of common. Wow. It's like, who knows? We're writing our own rules. You just try to communicate, right? Like you try to communicate, you try to hold yeah. good boundaries. You try not to be a dick. You try not to take advantage of people. You try to be aware of power dynamics because those bitches can sneak in there, make some problems. I know. And one thing I want to be like really aware of, the more I lean into who I really am and what I actually like and like drop the whole compet thing is I don't want to make anyone feel like I'm experimenting with them. Like I'm just trying queerness on when there's like hearts and feelings involved yeah. and I know that can be like a big turnoff for people that have been secure and sure of their identity and their queerness for a very long time it can be probably like mm, I don't want to mess with this noob who doesn't know what they want to do who's been also- sleeping with men their whole, whole life like I totally get that Well, I think it's also because I've been like that person that's been that's made a partner feel that way when I was like newer to this. And that's really sad. And I think it's not just that they're looking at you thinking you're such a noob. It's like they're they don't want to be traumatized. They don't want to be like diminished in the seriousness of a relationship. They don't want to be hidden. They don't want to be they don't want it to feel like it's not real because you're just you know and then that's a real it's trauma I think and that's really sad and it's fear of loss too like you have feelings you're emotionally invested you you see a future maybe with this person but then like there's that fear that they will leave you for what they're typically used to and that's sad to think about I'm sure that happens. I mean and it's not just what people are used to it's what the whole society always is pushing everybody toward because it's easier that way you have to you know it's Mm -hmm. easier because even marriage like marriage is a contract that gives you certain guarantees and protections in society so yeah there is a difference of like playing house versus really actually being married and that Mm -hmm. that is a kind of a privilege that you're protected in those ways that it makes it real in the eyes of the law which carries a lot of practical weight so and stability Mm -hmm. because you can you can guarantee the law is still there and says it was real even if somebody tries to whatever happens you know and so that's a big deal it's not you know it's a big deal if people can't have the rights of marriage because it's not legal to marry somebody that's your same gender wow it's a it's a it's an everyday deal you know yeah it's a whole new world it is and yeah I don't mean to be like a downer but it's just like you know that was a hard lesson for me to learn was just it's not all there's a lot of camp and pride and fun and there's a lot of traumatized people too there's a lot of people that Mm -hmm. that again had to kind of it took a longer time maybe for that and not universally again but uh a hell of a lot of different kinds of people out there but uh a lot of people it took longer time it's called queer time (laughs) we're on our own timelines because we it's like we have to have like a second (laughs) whole whole coming of age basically once you figure out all of that 
Thank you for listening. Find additional content at doxtthepodcast.com.